0: This is Channel
1: 253.
0: In this episode of Crossing Division.
1: Police, as they see people breaking those rules, they will, it's a good time for education. But we're not trying to write tickets. We're not trying to take anybody to jail. We're not trying to pull anybody over. We just want people to abide by the rules. And we trust that Tacomans will absolutely do that.
0: Channel 253 is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Nate Bowling and I fly Alaska. To book your next trip, go to alaskaair.com.
2: Hi, this is Evelyn Lopez. Welcome to this week's Crossing Division. As you will recall, we decided to go weekly format with the coronavirus um, started. We're having weekly discussions about coronavirus and Tacoma. This week, I am so honored to have Mayor Victoria Woodard's with us to talk about what she's been working on, and also Belinda Paterno from the Pierce Conservation District, talking about water quality and stream teams. Before we get going, though, here are the statistics. As of uh, from the Seattle Times this morning, the count says of Wednesday, where we had nine thousand six hundred eight cases of COVID nineteen in the state, four hundred and forty six deaths. In Pierce County, we have 808 cases of the virus and have experienced 16 deaths. Now the news is good only in the, uh, in the the to the extent that we seem to be um, hitting the peak or have just passed the peak. So we're hoping that if we can continue to maintain all of these good practices, our social distancing, our masks, our gloves, keeping away from people, that we can continue through this virus And do very well. Um, For those of you who don't know, parks are closed, Um, but i got to tell you, I drove down Ruston Way yesterday, and there are lots and lots of people out walking, and try to think that through, guys, because if you're walking with other people, especially if everyone's unmasked, you are sharing a lot of potential water droplets, and you could get sick, so it's hard when it's beautiful out, but try to keep your social distancing. Um, and also I will mention that, um, if you have questions about rent relief and rent issues, we may have some more information coming about that probably, uh, next week. Um, so without further ado, Mayor Woodards, thank you so much for joining us today. We are so delighted to have you.
1: Evelyn, so honored to be joining you and thank you so much for asking me to be on during this very difficult time. Um, It's forums like this where we can get out as much information as possible to our residents um, who are going through a very trying time.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Hey, before we launch into the questions that I wanted to ask you, you were taking a moment to do some calling to cancer patients before we went on the air. What? are you doing so i have a very good friend who has stage
1: four cancer Mm. and who is who her name is tracy davis so let me just say that who is a living walking testimony um, of of beating cancer and she was having chemo today and she used to be able to have visitors come they used to be able to bring someone with them but in this new covid situation um, even their drivers have to drop them off and no one could come upstairs and keep them company. So I talked to her last night. She said, can I FaceTime you tomorrow from, from therapy? And I said, absolutely. She said, will you talk to the patients? I said, I would love to. So she called me during her, during her therapy session. And um, I just got to, to say some words of encouragement to some really brave women um, who were having their chemo treatment
2: today. That uh, is just, that's wonderful. Thank you so much for doing that. I think that is my honor. I mean, that's a huge help. So this coronavirus situation, um, tell me about some of the issues that you've been working on.
1: You know, there are so many issues, um, Evelyn, and and audiences you can well think of. Um, we've been working on everything um, between getting your trash still picked up, <laughs> <laughs> To making sure we have enough police on the streets, to repurposing—I mean, to, to standing up City Hall virtu- virtually, yeah—being um, yeah. able to take three-one-one calls and still process um, permits. So it's been—it's been an amazing week. Plus, I mean, that's just the internal workings of the mm-hmm. city. But then trying to figure out how in our departments that are outward-facing, economic development, human services, how we provide relief and support to our community. And the, and the other thing is, as you well know, this is a rapidly evolving issue. Right. So it used to be, you know, some things change month by month, week by week, day by day, mm-hmm. hour by hour. This thing changes minute by minute. Right. Um, and trying to just stay up on the latest information to make sure that we are, that we are informed so that we're making the decisions based on the latest information, but that we're also giving out um, the latest information. So, um. And then, you know, working directly with our partners like um, Pierce County and the Mm -hmm. Tacoma Health Department, who's doing an amazing job. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just some some things that we've been focused on that citizens want to hear about is, one, um, for economic development for small businesses in Tacoma. Mm -hmm. We stood up a $1 million COVID-19 stabilization loan fund. Um, The pre-application process uh, closed on Tuesday we had 495 pre-applications. Wow, that's good. 262 eligible applicants. So we've not only received the invita- received the applications, we've already we've already gone through and figured out who's eligible. Wow. And then and then out of the 262 who are eligible, we have 105 applications that are being reviewed to be funded in the first round. Um, mm-hmm. the average amount people are asking for is about $13,000. Mhm. Um, And then the 262 applications that we've received total $3.5 million in requests. Oh, my gosh. And we only have a million to give. Right. So right now, but we're going to be looking at ways to repurpose other things that we're not doing or won't do. But I do want to say this as I dive into the other things is that, and it's, it's hard to say, because even I didn't want to talk about it, but there's a reality. Um, You know, cities rely on sales tax. Right, right. And we're going to have some huge budget deficits ourselves coming out of this. And trying to balance, I mean, our job is to make sure our community is healthy and can stand up, but our job is also to make sure we're providing the services our community needs. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be a delicate balance as we come out of this um, in giving help but also making sure that
2: we're strong enough to be able to give help. I think that's one of the real concerns that I have is, you know, now is that it's sort of like, you know, we may almost need sort of a a works program like they had during the depression. And I don't know that our current federal government is capable of coming up with something like that. I mean, we really need like big, bold, huge ideas and i just don't see that happening um so maybe our state can come up with some big bold state ideas but i i agree with you you know um
1: i've spent a lot of time um during this period talking with other mayors i belong to mm-hmm. lots of groups of mayors we'd have a mayors group that gets together every sunday evening mm-hmm. just just to share ideas and sometimes just to talk about how difficult it is cuz yeah. we're experiencing this too hmm. But 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 I can't I, I feel selfish taking care of my needs. I want to focus on the whole community because yeah. we have so many people who are hurting. But but we talk about this and really the the work that's going to have to be done to really get us back is going to be done locally with mayors. Yeah, I think um, that's the truth. And great governors. So let me just give a shout out to our governor, Jay, Inslee, yeah. who I think is
2: doing a amazing job for Washington State. Yeah, I think so, too. Well, well one of the programs I've heard a little bit about, I haven't heard anything details at all, but um, I had been asking on a Facebook forum if anyone had heard any programs for rent relief because I've been assisting some people who are you know not able to pay their rent. And um, Catherine Ushka mentioned that the city council had voted to use some of the housing trust fund for rent relief, but it sounded like the program wasn't quite up and going yet. Do you, do you have a sense as to when that might be launching? Our goal is next week. Um, oh, good. We, we, yeah, yeah. We, we
1: had a presentation um, last Friday um, and um, hopefully are getting, they're, they're trying to finalize it by today. Mm-hmm. Obviously, trying, it's, it's not very much money when you think about how many people need help, um, but we are trying to figure out the best way to, to make the biggest impact. Mm -hmm. So the goal, hopefully we will get something done by the end of today and then get something rolling out by next week. And I, again, want to thank our uh, Linda Stewart, who runs our human services department. Her staff has been working really hard while also doing all of the other things like taking care of our our homeless um, service providers and all of those uh, supporting all of our nonprofits um, Mm -hmm. who are doing work on the front lines. So but the goal is to get that up, get that up and out by next week so that citizens can begin to apply for that.
2: Okay, that sounds and good. And then
1: in addition to rental relief, we mm-hmm. also still have, you know, the Coma um, Public Utilities put a million dollars aside to help um, residents pay for their utilities. Um, as of this morning, we received over 7,000 applications. Wow. And as of earlier this week, I think we'd, we'd verified like 2,500 of those applications and gotten over 2,500 um people funded through that and it's almost a half a million of the million dollars we had set aside so we're gonna need to come back and see how we continue to help Mm -hmm. jump back to the rent to the rent relief program we also um, wrote a letter you know the governor um every some cities were doing their own um uh, eviction notice you know uh, stay on evictions mm-hmm. and um we were we were getting ready to roll those out but we're really pushing the governor to take yeah. it statewide and we were successful in that that expires on april 17th mm-hmm. and we wrote a letter to him last week asking him to be sure he extends it to include um to include relief from um from fees, from late fees. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then also to talk about how we suspend commercial rent as well for a lot of our small businesses Uh who will be facing, they've got to pay for their space as well. Mm -hmm. So, and then still working on, it's one thing to relieve rent, Mm -hmm. but when you relieve somebody's rent, Somebody doesn't get paid and they can't pay their mortgage. So also focusing on on um, how we get uh, foreclosure suspension
2: and get some relief for our mortgage holders as well. Well, that sounds all of that sounds really positive. I hope all of that comes about. And yeah, I I had heard that the governor was going to issue something probably next week that has to do with evictions and other.
1: we just hope he'll expand it just a little mm-hmm. bit because there's something going around that I saw where there was an apartment complex who wasn't, who said you had to pay your rent. Wasn't saying that they would evict them, but were saying mm-hmm. that they were going to chalk up some exorbitant fee for every day they were late.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, just, uh, that's not how it's going to work. I mean, it, it, it can't work that way.
1: No. And Evelyn, I would say this if I could, for those of you who rent and are listening, who have rental properties, um, and I know we have some really, we have some people who are being really fair and, and being really helpful to their renters. Mm-hmm. But but for those who aren't, please please think about really supporting. You have good tenants, keep your good tenants. Everybody's suffering, but really try to work together
2: to make sure everyone stays housed during this time. Exactly, it's that's part of the public health emergency. Keeping people inside means keeping people in their housing. Absolutely okay. Well, um, mayor, tell me of, of all the things and I know this is all unprecedented, but as I read one thing that really struck you as surprising like wow, I, I never really thought about that before. <laughs> one thing
1: <laughs> Ooh, um, well, oh I, I, I one I might have to give you a couple. one That's I okay. never thought I would I never thought when I wanted to be mayor that I would be mayor during a time like this. Right. I would have thought we would have faced a lot of issues, but I never would have thought there would have been this pandemic. Mm -hmm. Um, And the other thing I'll say is that I can live without hugs. It's very difficult, Mm -hmm. but I can live without hugs.
0: And I never thought,
1: I never thought I'd have to say, I never thought I'd have to figure out how I'm going to live without hugging human beings. Um, But I would say, you know, I think in the midst of this, again, there's going to be two things. One is going to be the fact that how quickly our community came together. Um, When I think about the Economic Development Board and the Tacoma-Pierce County um, Chamber, how quickly they came together and are now holding three meetings a week for businesses, when I think about what the Greater Tacoma Community Foundation has done under the leadership of Kathy Littman, partnering with Donna Ponepento at United Way, putting together, they've raised $5 million to get out to nonprofits in different sectors, and they pulled that together quickly. Um, when I think about the stories I'm hearing and how, how our community just comes together, and frankly, I've been out a little bit um, as as, um, as an essential worker, and um, just to see the help that people are giving one another. But I will tell you the thing that hit me the hardest was the loss of our first life. Really? And it just I made it real, didn't it? Yeah, it did. I wasn't, because this situation is one that unlike a unlike a flood or an earthquake or a volcano eruption, you can see that. Right, you you mm-hmm. can you can see it explode. You can see the devastation, right? In this COVID, you just I, I look outside my window and I just see houses and grass and mm-hmm. people walking by every now and again. So it's really hard because you don't see it. you see the numbers, but you don't necessarily every day see what's happened. And when I got notice of the first death, um, it made it very real. Mm-hmm. Um, and and. I will say I'm grateful that we've had a low amount of, of deaths given the number of cases we have. And again, that's because we're flattening the curve. Let me be very clear. We're flattening the curve because we're listening and we're staying home and we're staying healthy and we're doing social distancing. Does not mean we can give up on that. And I just I have to continue to hammer that home. But, but the loss of life is real. And when we abide by the rules, um, we really actually save lives. So we can all be superheroes right now. Mm -hmm. We can all be superheroes when you're walking and you see a senior who's walking. Don't expect them to move. You move out of the way. When, you know, so um, we can actually save lives.
2: That's good. Well, tell me about, um, what are your concerns as we move forward? And you've mentioned, you know, the loss of sales tax and how that really hits cities. And I'd say, our whole state's going to be having some difficulty. I mean, luckily, we were in pretty good financial shape when this started, but, you know, we rely on um, sales tax, business tax, and property tax, uh, and it's uh, it's going to be challenging. But what are your concerns as we kind of start moving from the immediate, you know, deal with the health emergency into then what?
1: No, so a couple things concern me. One, and I like the analogy that our county executive uses, you know, it's kind of like we, I, I want to say we switched off the, you know, we switched off the light. Mm-hmm. And so I'm concerned about how we turn that light back on using a dimmer switch and mm-hmm. and what we do first. And <clears throat> I'm fearful that if we don't dim the lights, you know, turn the lights back up at a very at the right pace or do the right things, there may come a point where we dim up and have to turn back down a little right, bit. Right. Um, so I worry about what we do first after May fifth. If we decide not to issue another stay at home, stay healthy order, how do we get people back to work? How do we get mm-hmm. people back into their regular lives? I think it's gonna. I think social distancing is here to stay for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Even even when we get back to so so, I'm concerned about that. Um, I'm concerned about all of our citizens. Number one, concerned about our most vulnerable citizens who have been in, who have been hit incredibly hard, and how how we get them back, um, how we open, how we give them what they need to get back to life, how we open all of our small businesses that were already struggling, um, how we get our economy back to work. But I'm mm-hmm. also concerned about people who have never been in a crisis like this before. Mm-hmm. I was talking to someone who owns a hair salon. My hairstylist, as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, you know, you can. Have, they're, they're doing something for, for small business owners who are just one person. And, and I said, you can go online and I, you may, there may be even be some way you can get unemployment. She's like, I've never applied for that before. Mm-hmm. So there are people who've never applied for services who now need to apply. And so um, there's a level of concern that comes with that. It's normally, you know, you you say if we focus on our most vulnerable population, we can take care of everybody. And I still believe, you know, the rising tides float all boats, right? Yeah, yeah. But 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 we're going to have a lot of people who um, who need their boat floated. Yeah, and okay. and so um, I I worry about our ability to provide support as a city for all
2: for everyone who needs it. Mm-hmm. Well. What gives you hope looking forward? What are you thinking? Okay, I know we're going to make it because we, we are.
1: Um, you know, cliche and people say, she always say it, says that, um, but I'll always say it because I always mean it. What gives me hope are the people who live in the, in the city, the people who call Tacoma home, um, the kindness and the stories I've heard um, about what people have done. Um, you know, sharing food with neighbors. I just heard today that people they're doing teddy bear walks where people yeah. will take their kids out for walks and put teddy bears in the window. Um, I've I've heard about, you know, even when I go take my walk, I've seen signs in windows and and chalk on sidewalks. Um thanking everyone. Um they've I've seen people work out um, uh, work, work workout conversation, how to check in with their senior neighbors, um, Mm -hmm. and putting signs in the window. Um, and so just, that's what Tacomans do. Um, and, and that's what gives me hope. Um, the other day I was driving to the office and, um, I drove by some people who were pounding a sign in the, in the ground. It was Sean's birthday. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And they put a sign in the ground that said, honk for Sean's birthday, and I was passing it so I drove back around the block, <laughs> honked and take the video to wish Sean happy birthday. I mean, those little things. And as I was sitting there, people were going by honking horns. Um, that's what gives me hope because when Tacoma's asked to show up, we do. We've got churches who are um, buying groceries and delivering groceries to people. We've got partnerships with THA and KWA who are delivering um, medicine mm-hmm. um, to seniors. Um, it just, it just, I, I mean, and I could go on forever about what people are doing. And I will also say this, what also gives me hope is that I work with a council who really cares about Tacoma. And, and everybody in their own way has a different issue that they're focused on or represents a different district, um, but, but they're all working um, to make Tacoma um, better and, and to get us out of this crisis and to make sure that everyone um, comes through it stronger. And then lastly, I will say, um, as we talk about people, I would be remiss if I didn't say something about the incredible staff at the city of Tacoma, whether they are our first responders, firefighters, police officers, or whether they're picking up the trash. we have, you know, you would suspect that we would have a lot of people who have called in or taking vacation. People are showing up and doing their jobs. Mm-hmm. You dial three one one. the wait time might be a little bit longer because more people are, are dialing in, but someone will answer that phone. Mm-hmm. Um, our staff at the city get it and know that they're there to serve and are doing an amazing job. So not just thank you to the staff, but I'm just so grateful that I live in a city where Where everyone, whether it's our grocery store workers or our bus drivers or our medical professionals, um, everyone is stepping up to the task. And and that's why we're going to get through this and we're going to be stronger because of it, because of the people who live here. And that's what gives me incredible hope. I think those are all the questions I had. Is there anything else you want to talk to us about? I do. I realized I want to make sure. So I talked about rental assistance. I want to I do want to I do want to to squash a little rumor. Um, Just like we closed the city hall to the public, we also closed our police substations Mm -hmm. Um, and we closed our police substations because um, most of our police substations during the day are manned by volunteers. And a lot of those volunteers are in are in that vulnerable Category, right. Um. So, so for their safety and the safety of our officers who were there, we shut down our substations. But our substations, police are still using them. That they're still going in and out of our substations. Our patrols are out. They are. Um, they are still patrolling um, in our city, and they are also doing extra patrols in our in our business districts. For all of our businesses that are closed, so just just kind of you know okay. sometimes when we say we have close our substation, people think, oh, the police went home. No, they did not. So <laughs> okay. if you're committing crimes in Tacoma, I suggest you stop it because we we are we are not only are we patrolling, we are catching the bad guys who are deciding that this is a good time to commit crimes, but it's not. So mm-hmm. if you have an emergency, dial nine one one. If you don't have an emergency, like. If you're down on Ruston Way this weekend and you see people not social distancing, call the non-emergency number. Don't call 911. Right. The other right. rumor I want to squash is that you do not need to have a piece of paper in your hand to say you're the essential <laughs> worker in Tacoma. Okay. <laughs> um, if you are going to and from work, our police are not out stopping people looking for their paperwork. Um, we know that Tacomans are responsible and, and are and are gonna abide by the rules and if they're not if you're in a park and you see kids playing basketball don't try to be the police but politely say hey for your safety you all shouldn't play it again mm-hmm. um, but but don't dial 911 police as they see people breaking those rules they will it's a good time for education. But we're not trying to write tickets, we're not trying to take anybody to jail, we're not trying to pull anybody over. We just want people to abide by the rules and we trust that Tacomans will absolutely do that. So I think those are the two myths I'm hearing, Evelyn. I don't know if you're hearing anything else that I might that we might want to tell the truth about, but No, I think you've
2: covered everything. I think that's yeah. excellent.
1: And we're still working working with our homeless population and finding ways to get our homeless population taken care of. Um, That doesn't stop just because we're in the COVID situation that actually ramps up. So we're working with our service providers. Um, I mean, obviously I could talk for days, but there's a lot going on. But there are two things I would say. Um, If you're a business in Tacoma and you want to find out what we're doing to support you or what other opportunities there are, makeittacoma.org
2: is a place where people can go. Okay,
1: makeittacoma.org. is where people can go to get information. And then you can also go to our city website. It has lots of information on it. If you're interested in what to do about COVID um, and how you can better protect yourselves and your families, the Tacoma Pierce County Health Department has a ton of information um, on it. So just want to put those resources out there for people as well.
2: Okay, that's great. Well, we will let you go. I know you've got another um, Zoom conference to check into, but thank you so much. I mean, I, I think you really, um, you inspire people. And so it's always good to hear from you. Thank you, Evelyn. And again, thank you
1: so much for ticking up the number of times you're doing the show and getting as much information out there as possible. Thank you for the work you're doing. Doug, appreciate you. I know you're in the background. And and Belinda, who's coming on next, um, I know you'll do a great job. But thank you all for what you're doing. And Tacoma, we are compassionate Tacoma. We will get through this.
2: We'll get through this together. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, we'll take a short break, let the mayor get off the line, and then we will come back and talk to Belinda Paterno about water quality and streams and other adventures.
0: Hi, I'm Eric Hanberg, host of the Channel 253 podcast, We Art Tacoma, and I've been a member of TAPCO Credit Union since I was a kid, really. My parents set up a savings account for me, and I've had that account with them ever since. In fact, my first credit card wasn't from a big bank, it was from TAPCO, and I still have that, too. What I appreciate about TAPCO is they are intensely local. Just like Channel 253, TAPCO keeps its focus on Tacoma and Pierce County. They have easy-to-reach branches and ATMs in the Tacoma area. And when I don't want to drive, I just use their online or mobile banking. To this day, TAPCO helps parents teach kids good savings habits. The Moolah Kids Club teaches kids about savings not only through interest on their money, but with special prizes and discounts at local attractions. So if you want to help your kids start a savings account the same way my parents did, check out our local credit union at tapcocu.org. My thanks to TAPCO for their support of this podcast and channel 253.
2: All right, we're back on the air and I wanted to do a little shout out to our producer, Doug Mackey. We are not in the beautiful Moon Yard studios, but we know they're there waiting for us when everyone's back to normal. Um, next up, we have Belinda Paterno with the with the Pierce Conservation District to talk about um stream teams and water quality. Before I switch over to Belinda, just a quick shout out. If you are not a member of channel 253, now is a great time to join. It is $4 a month. We get all kinds of interesting insights and insider information. And of course, you can find all of our um, podcasts on the channel 253 website. So do consider becoming a member. It's a great deal. So welcome, Belinda. Thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. So tell me a little bit about your job at the Pierce Conservation District.
3: Sure. So I am the Water Quality Coordinator at the Pierce Conservation District. Um, and that means I do kind of a wide variety of things, mm-hmm. but it's more on the water quality monitoring side of our water quality program within the district. And so... If you're familiar with the conservation district, we work to protect local and natural resources um, throughout Pierce County. And so with the water quality program, we are not only looking at the water quality um, monitoring side, but also kind of looking at what can we put in to um, help protect um, water quality, like uh, from stormwater, or put in some green features. Um, within different properties. So I'm on the monitoring side of that. So that means I work with our stream monitoring program in our lake monitoring program. And mm-hmm. so I coordinate a program called the stream team, which is a volunteer water quality monitoring program, which is a really big mouthful. And so what we oh. say is stream team. Um, and so stream team has existed since 1994. We actually celebrated 25 years last year. And so super proud of to continue this program within the county and so we have monitors throughout Pierce County who monitor around 40 streams Um, and we have over 70 monitors um, throughout the county and Pierce County like you know is a huge county Mm -hmm. so for our water quality staff it's hard for us to be everywhere in the county to know what's going on with our streams and so our monitors really help us to kind of not only test the water quality, um, but also give us any information about what might be going on um, with with the streams or with the stream sites. So we provide monitors um, with stream team kits that they check out Mm -hmm. from us. Um, They are able to perform those tests there on site. And so you don't need to send any of the samples to the lab. um, And So we can get the test results just right there um, in person. Yeah. What
2: kinds of things are they monitoring for when they're doing the testing?
3: Sure. And so we kind of look at some basic parameters um, for water quality. So we look at things like dissolved oxygen. So just like we need oxygen to to breathe and survive. So do any aquatic species like fish um, need oxygen? We're looking at uh, pH. So looking at the acidity of a solution. Uh, We're also looking at things like nitrates. Um, which is like a, a nutrient, a natural nutrient mm-hmm. um, in our in our systems. And kind of, we get concerned if there's just too much of that and it can become out of balance. We look at things like clarity and then also water temperature as well. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. And um, do you also um, have some monitoring or um, work a little bit around the wetlands? I know um, certainly in Tacoma there's a lot of I'm thinking of sort of the snake lake area mm-hmm. there's a lot of areas that are sort of I don't know kind of swampy and uh, I don't know if they have actual streams running through them but they certainly have a lot of water
3: Sure um, and so we don't necessarily do any like water quality testing on mm-hmm. those sites but that is another kind of branch of the water quality program mm. as we do habitat stewardship at those. Wetland sites or, you know, kind of marshy sites, not necessarily Mm -hmm. where there might be a stream, but it's still all related to water quality because we all live within the watershed and we all have an impact on that water quality. So we actually do habitat stewardship in um, uh, the Puyallup area and Mm -hmm. Fircrest area as well. And some of those um, sites aren't um, necessarily near a stream they are near a wetland. So we don't test, but we do like habitat restoration where Mm -hmm. we remove invasive species and plant native ones. And that still has an impact on the water quality. Mm -hmm.
2: What kinds of activities have you been able to maintain given the um, stay-at-home order and our COVID-19 situation? I mean, I know that's been impacting you.
3: Sure. And yes, like any other business or organization, we've kind of had to shift, you know, how we do our work. And so, you know, it's hard when you're a natural resource agency, like how do we go out and perform this, this work still. And so mm-hmm. I've had to, um, you know, suspend the stream team activities so we can no longer go out and deliver kits to our monitors. And so we're going to, you know, lose data um, from this time period. Um, so we've also, we haven't been able to go out and do our normal kind of habitat restoration or planting events. You know, mm-hmm. springtime is when we take advantage of the spring rains to go and plant. And so we've had to, you know, cancel those events or or delay them. Um, mm-hmm. And so we're at the district and in the water quality program, we are looking at different ways that we can Still provide our technical expertise and knowledge to the public, so we are offering um, virtual site visits for people. Um, so we also work with private property owners who mm. might have a concern or want to kind of spruce up their um, their private property. So we've um, done site consultations for putting in native plants um, at properties or putting in like a rain garden at a property as well, and that is all kind of helping to improve water quality so mm-hmm. you know less I guess less on the ground work yeah but we are working to you know hopefully get some projects in the works so when we can go out and perform work again that we have those projects already lined up to do
2: mm-hmm. that's good what do you find as some of the challenges in either the the streams or lakes in this area you know is it um is it is it something that you see over and over again or is it just a whole variety of different things going on
3: yeah, I can't, it can can't be a variety. Um, mm-hmm. So Pierce County um, has built up, you know, over time with expanding populations um, and society growing. And that's just kind of a normal course of how events work. And so, but we've seen with um, more people and more infrastructure that we're having more um, impacts on stormwater. And so mm-hmm. stormwater is now something that local cities and jurisdictions have to think about and manage. And so with Mm -hmm. more kind of paved surfaces, you have a larger influx of stormwater that's rushing off of these paved surfaces. And so with less green space to infiltrate um, and our our natural vegetation does provide um, infiltration. It helps Mm -hmm. um, hold in the soil, prevents erosion, and it can, Kind of filter out pollutants as well. And so now we've kind of taken away that that filter device in some areas. And so now mm-hmm. we're seeing um you know cases where we're seeing high temperatures in streams. Um, and that is affecting any kind of aquatic life like fish or salmon that live there. Mm-hmm. We've seen sometimes higher fecal counts. Um, so anything you know kind of uh, waste related that could mm-hmm. be in the streams as well. And then sometimes higher, higher nitrates. You know, so excess um, nitrates from fertilizers or other waste are getting into our streams. And so that's kind of a result again of um, higher populations. We're kind mm-hmm. of losing some of our habitat around sites, and just having more, more influx of stormwater. That anything that that stormwater picks up on the streets or on your yards can easily come into our. Uh, into our waterways and when Mm -hmm. I say we all live within a watershed we we all do so a watershed is an area of land that drains down to a certain point or a certain body of water and whether you realize it or not we all have an impact on that water.
2: Mm -hmm. Well I think living in this area particularly um, you know we have concerns about our salmon habitats and you know how that impacts our local orca communities and Mm -hmm. and everything so um, is that, is that something that, I, I mean, I'm assuming that all of the health of the stream, the health of the water system plays into that significantly.
3: Oh, for sure. And so, like I said, stream team has existed since um, 1994. So, you mm-hmm. know, going on 26 years. Um, so originally when the program was started, you know, we, we were concerned about, you know, monitoring water quality um, and the impacts of habitat But now in recent years are, you um, kind of the, the mission, the focus, and kind of more thought is going into, oh, there's, you know, there's impacts for salmon and, and mm-hmm. you know, impacts on, on orca as well. And so um, we are seeing, um, you know, people kind of asking us about our data. And so, you know, what are the impacts on salmon and mm-hmm. on on um, on and on orca? So the, actually the water quality is that we've always, the standards that we've always tested for are for what are is going to be a thriving habitat for salmon. So we know mm-hmm. that salmon need cool, clear water. And like I mentioned before, if you're taking away vegetation, you're kind of you're going to lose that shade to cool mm-hmm. down the stream. You know, if we have an influx of storm water, um, we're seeing that that's having an impact, especially on Coho salmon populations. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something called pre-spawn mortality. Where especially if we're looking at female salmon, they haven't been able to spawn um, because they actually are, are dying. They're not getting, they're not getting the chance to spawn. Mm-hmm. And that's due, they think that's due to stormwater influence. So mm-hmm. with stormwater, it's picking again, it's picking up a mix of different chemicals um, and things, and that kind of creates a toxic soup that these um, mm-hmm. coho salmon are in. And so we're seeing that impact on on salmon, and then of course we know that there's impact on orca populations as well, who depend on salmon to feed themselves and to feed their babies. And so mm-hmm. um, our, our data is kind of kind of in a new new light now. Of you know we are looking at water quality, you know, for salmon, and what mm-hmm. are we what are we seeing in these streams? Um, and that kind of plays into a bigger bigger picture within the
2: Northwest. Yeah, definitely. Do you think um, in the, in our Tacoma area, we have, we, we still have a very industrial port, but we also have a long history of, um, you know, not always being great stewards of our waterways. Is, is that something that, um, that you monitor also, or are you more monitoring the water before it hits Um, down into the commencement bay and sound areas?
3: Yeah, that's a a good question. So I should, you know, back up a little bit about talking Mm -hmm. about the stream team program. So we are, um, so these are Mm -hmm. volunteer-led and so we are how we rely on our volunteers to collect this data and they are collecting for red flag data, which means, you know, kind of highlighting areas of concern. Mm -hmm. Um, But we leave that more kind of protocoled monitoring to the county and to the state to do so mm-hmm. we aren't going to send our volunteers out to monitor like a high a, a busy like industrial area yeah. like the um like mm-hmm. the port of tacoma but right and they are even monitoring on like the puyallup river or the, mm-hmm. the squally river so those are just mm-hmm. two um too big of a, Water body systems for the Sundown volunteers to do. So, but yes, we would be kind of monitoring the, the creeks that could feed mm-hmm. into Commencement Bay um, or down, yeah, down into the Port of Tacoma.
2: I think that's really important though, because mm-hmm. I think that's where your local pollution problems really occur. Mm-hmm. Um, either you might have runoff from a property or you might have some local. Um, dumping or other activity that might kind of go under the radar for some of the bigger regulators. Um, mm-hmm. But citizens who sort of are, who know that area really well, are going to be a lot more savvy about, you know, something is is strange here or something odd is going on.
3: <laughs> right, exactly. And, uh, and I will say, you know, big kudos to our our volunteer monitors, because they we like to say they are eyes and ears of the watersheds. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes their observations are the first time that anyone is kind of picking up that there might be an issue at a site. Oftentimes Mm -hmm. they'll alert us if they do see pollution or trash or human impact, or perhaps if they do see salmon at a site, which is always always fun to see, or if they see more um, kind of native plants popping up. So um, we really um, credit our, our volunteer monitors for alerting us to issues, and then we can then pass that on to our jurisdictional partners.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, I know right now, so you've mentioned that the the stream team activity is sort of um, limited um, because of the uh, the ability to get out and Mm -hmm. um, get testing supplies. But if people are interested in becoming a stream team volunteer, how do they go about doing that? Sure.
3: Um, And so it'd be be contacting me, myself, Belinda um, at the conservation district. And right now I have a waiting list uh, of people, you know, before we got shut down. And since then people have been contacting me because I think there is an interest right now to get out Mm -hmm. and do something. You know, I wish I could just magically send testing (laughs) kits to people to, to go do, but it's just, you know, not how we, not how we operate. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, would be contacting us at the district. So that's either, uh, you know, I probably looking at my information on the Pierce conservation district website. Um, okay. we also have a Facebook page as well that you can get in contact, um, with us. Um, or if you just kind of are interested, like I said before, of doing virtual site visits, mm-hmm. we do have staff um, that can do that as well.
2: Okay. Well, um, one of the things we talked about when we were setting up this um, podcast was if you have ideas for people who maybe they want to go out on a walk in the country and mm-hmm. look for some things or even more, if they've got um, kids, they're trying to keep mm-hmm. uh, entertained and busy. If there's some activities a family could do, especially I'm thinking this weekend is going to be a beautiful weekend and people might not be getting together um, for uh, family Easter the way they might mm-hmm. have in other years. So what sort of things, ideas do you have for people to go outside and do something?
3: Yeah, sure. And so we also, I mean, we recognize that not everyone lives near a wetland or mm-hmm. a creek. Um, but if you do, and if you're in walking distance um, and you're in your social distancing, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it can be fun just to go take a look, kind of make some observations yourself. Um like, what do you hear? What do you see? What do you smell? Do you notice, um, like, would there be good habitat maybe for salmon, which it would be kind of some gravel beds or cobblestone? Is there a good overhanging brush, you know, that could provide shade? And so sometimes just kind of, yeah, you know, like you said, taking a walk and going outside, maybe looking at a place that you walked by before and think about it in terms of habitat is kind of mm-hmm. a A a neat way to kind of think about it, Um, but we also recognize that you know people do have kids at home now more frequently, Mm
0: -hmm. and I really
3: want to promote our environmental education program at the district. Um, So we all do education in some aspect of the conservation district, but Mm -hmm. our environmental education program really translates the work that we do in a K through twelve kind of format with lessons. And like everyone else at the district, they've been adapting their programming in these times. And so they've really been putting out a lot of content on um, video on our Facebook page and on our blog as well with different lessons for school age kids. And actually next week they will be doing their whole lesson series on water. So I just wanted to encourage people to go out and check out our Facebook page. um, Okay. for for that um, because they will be um, putting up content. And so I can talk about a couple of activities to kind of um, maybe interest people and check Mm -hmm. it out. So one is an indoor activity and one is an outdoor activity. Um, So the indoor activity um, that I think they will be talking about is called a water cycle in a bag. So we all know that the water cycle exists. So all the water that we have here on the planet is kind of all the water that we have. And so we really need to work on protecting it. And so we know that water takes many forms. So clouds and condensation, precipitation, rain, and then down in our water bodies, you know, it's kind of um, holding water as well. And so one cool example that you can do to kind of showcase that water cycle is actually tape a bag of water um, to a window, kind of like a Ziploc bag, And then you would kind you put food coloring in it, like blue, to kind of see it a little bit better. And that heat, when you um, attach that uh, that Ziploc bag to the window with water, will kind of activate that water cycle in in the bag. And so you actually will see um, condensation, so water droplets actually going up the bag, kind of condensing. And then when they get when those clouds in your bag get heavy enough. It'll actually rain, or it'll give you that precipitation as well, and so you can kind of see that that water cycle in the bag, and then you can have a conversation uh, with your with your kids about you know why how the water cycle works, and then um, why it's important to protect all the water that we have here, because any pollutants that get into it will kind of cycle through that right. water cycle as well. Um, but there will be um, more kind of. Uh, description and um talking points um in our environmental ed um uh, video okay. next week or blog uh,
0: right. and then the
3: the outdoor activity is actually kind of talking more about the importance of vegetation and so one example that you can do is um if you have like a coffee can or an empty can you can cut out the bottom of it and then put it on different kinds of surfaces outside like say you have a grass area or a paved area or a mulch bark area. And then you would take um, a measuring cup of water and pour that water in on those different surfaces and see how long it takes that water to kind of um, percolate or kind of trickle through oh, or infiltrate okay. into the ground. And that's another good example of um, why native vegetation or why vegetation overall is really important because it kind of access that sponge, access mm-hmm. that filter, it can filter out pollutants. And so uh, students or um, kids will probably see that, you know, if you have a, a really kind of compacted area, that, that water is going to kind of dissipate really quickly. But if you or if you have like a um, vegetated area, you're going to see it's going to take mm-hmm. kind of longer to kind of soak in. And then that kind of acts as that natural filter. Mm-hmm. So I think our environmental ed program was trying to think of, you know, Simple things that people can do at home right now that they might have access to, and so we can't necessarily go out and perform chemical tests, right? But, right. but we can. But we can still talk about protecting water quality and kind of, kind of do some simple demonstrations um, to to get at that point.
2: Those are both. Those are excellent ideas. That's great, and I will link up the. Um, the Facebook page and the blog when I post the program notes for this show, too. Perfect. Um, And I guess the other question I had was, if you could give uh, just sort of general recommendations to people, what are a couple of things that people can do, either stop doing or start (laughs) doing, that would be a positive in terms of improved water quality?
3: Oh, sure. And so, yeah, and so we kind of like to start at at home, you know, because mm-hmm. I think that's yeah. where we have the most impact. I think, um, you know, if you talk about people driving less or, you know, mm-hmm. less pollution, that can kind of be sometimes harder for people to do. Mm-hmm. But if you're looking at just your, your yard, I think um, another program I want to promote at the district is our native plant sale. So putting mm. in native plants. So we have that native plant sale every spring. And so it's a great way to get um, really conservation grade plants, like really high quality plants into your yard. And so that again is not only providing habitat for any Mm -hmm. kind of um, um, native species, but also it's helping protect the water quality. So that natural vegetation can again like act as a filter um, can per- kind of prevent erosion from happening. Uh, we've also talked about um, putting in, um, using like less um, fertilizers, less pesticides mm-hmm. on our yard. There are kind of natural solutions that you can do for that, whether that's composting. Um, and that's another kind of um, uh, program, or at least within the Harvest Pierce County program mm-hmm. of the conservation district. Um, so they have really good classes and information on how to how to do composting or how to kind of incorporate a, uh, a garden into your yard. So mm-hmm. thinking in terms of like the yard care aspect of it, like what um, inputs are you putting into your yard? Because if you think about a lawn, yes, lawns and grass are great to to play on, but they take a lot of inputs to mm-hmm. make them look green. And so that's a lot of water right that's going in that's a lot of um, maybe fertilizers as well and so if are thinking about like other kind of alternative or solutions that you can't put into your yard to still like make it look nice but have mm-hmm. less inputs coming
2: in okay that's good advice all yeah. of that excellent all right well before we close out Belinda anything else you want to tell people that we haven't had a chance to cover today
3: uh, no, I think we've covered all everything that, you know, I, my talking points, but I just want to reiterate again, if anyone is interested in joining stream team and like making a difference in protecting your watersheds, please mm-hmm. reach out to myself at the conservation district. Um, we take all ages. So we have families, we have high school, college students, we have retirees um, going out and being our eyes and ears of the watersheds. So if that's anything that sounds interesting to you, um, yes, please contact
2: me. Excellent. Thank you very much, Belinda. Yes, thank you. All right. Well, that wraps up this week of uh, Coronavirus in Tacoma. Um, We had some good topics, some good coverage, and we will talk to you all again next week.
0: Channel 253 is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Nate Bowling, and I fly Alaska. To book your next trip, Go to alaskaair.com. Crossing Division is part of the Channel 253 Podcast Network. Check out our other shows. Nerd Farmer, Interchangeable White Ladies, We Art Tacoma, Move to Tacoma, Taco Man, Flounder's B Team, Citizen Tacoma, What Say You, and Gimme the Mic. This is Channel 253.